Welcome to the Farm Credit Advocates Podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Rohr, Marketing Specialist at Mid-Atlantic Farm Credit. Today's guests are well-known as creative influencers in agriculture, helping to positively influence and tell the story of ag. The Peterson Farm Brothers consists of three brothers, Greg, Nathan, and Kendall Peterson. Together, they produce entertaining and educational videos on their YouTube channel and blog about common misconceptions in ag. In addition, they're known for speaking up about agriculture and encouraging others to share their farm story. We are thrilled to be able to connect with the Peterson family. Without further ado, let's welcome Greg and Kendall to the podcast. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Hey, it's going good. So it's great for you to join us here in the Mid-Atlantic region. And I thought we'd just get started and ask you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your farm. Sure. So, um, yeah, we live on a family farm. I'm Greg. I'm the oldest brother. And um, I'm married to my wife, Brookanna. And then Nathan is the middle brother. He's uh, married to his wife, Riley. And uh, he's home uh, taking care of the farm. So a lot of times when we travel, um, it's just... uh, Two, two of the three brothers, and we kind of rotate around. And then uh, Kendall and his wife, Kaylin, uh, he's the youngest brother. And then our sister, Laura, our parents, um, that's the family farm operation. And uh, it's a fifth-generation family farm, and uh, I'll let Kendall tell about what we grew. And we background uh, feeder cattle, and we grow a lot of just typical Kansas crops, corn, wheat, milo, alfalfa, beans, and some forages. So that keeps us busy, and we like to joke that we raise another commodity, uh, videos. And so that's kind of our diversified farm there in Kansas. And um, that's that's where we film. That's where we uh, work every day, where we work, where we work together. And that's where the dream kind of came up to show our friends what we do on the farm. We wanted them to be able to see uh, what we're doing on weekends and then after school when we were young, when we made the videos. So, Greg, I know... One of your most popular videos uh, a few years ago was I'm Farming and I Grow It, which was my first introduction in particular to your family. Did you ever intend to make this much of a wave in ag when you started producing your content? No, we we um, we never really had a big picture plan. We, we didn't plan to go viral. We didn't plan to... I mean, even like Kendall said, that first video on Farming and I Grow It, it was really more aimed at our friends, people we actually knew. Um, I mean, we knew we were putting it on YouTube and we filmed it to be seen by more people than our friends. Um, but the, the most views we ever talked about it getting uh, was 50,000. And we were, we told that to each other kind of as a joke, like this is going to go so viral, we're going to get 50,000 views. And what ended up happening was we got 5 million views in uh, just a week. So, wow. um, 5 million instead of 50. And, and so, so, I mean, it was a surprise to all of us, especially our parents. They were, um, pretty overwhelmed, uh, right at the beginning there. We, we'd had our YouTube channel for a couple months, but we hadn't really uploaded anything. And, uh, that was our first kind of real video that we'd done and, really and cool. it really blew up. So obviously you're managing a couple communication channels. So videos, blogs, and you have to write some of your content to make it all kind of come together and flesh out. So, you know, like what's your favorite part or do do each of you have like separate jobs in the process of when you decide to put a new video parody together? We definitely have separate jobs. Greg's really the creative mastermind behind it all and make sure that we're getting content out on the different social media sites. Um, 
Nathan and I help with lyrics occasionally, but for the most part, it's great coming up with the lyrics. The parody videos are the big projects. They take the most time and the most creative uh, outlet. And then the vlogs and the posts on the Facebook, Instagram, and different social medias, those are more like Nathan and I and Greg. We can just pull our phones out of our pocket and share right what we're doing right then. So that's a little more simple and not as much uh, planning has to go into it. Yeah. So initially when you made your first music parody, like what made you want to try to do that? Because it was something that was super creative and something that maybe wasn't well known in that space. Like what was like the burning drive to want to try something like that? Yeah. So this was back in 2012 when we made that first parody and I was a uh, junior at Kansas State uh, University and I was majoring in ag communications. And so uh, a lot of what my major talked about in our classes um, was, you know, how can we reach people outside of ag? How can we communicate uh, what we as farmers do um, to, to people, you know, to consumers? And so I already had kind of had that background just from school. And so that was a big driving force of, of why I wanted to make the video. Uh, but then, yeah, we also had, uh, we grew up in, in the middle of Kansas. So we, we weren't urban, but, but we are close to a town of 50,000 people. So at our high school, we had a lot of city kids and uh, we we were always trying to convince them that that farming was cooler than they thought it was, and so that that was a big, um, you know, we were, we were just trying to make farming cool, and and it it just shifted from you know a few of our friends to to you know a lot of people online. Absolutely, I I can relate with that because having grown up in the Mid Atlantic region and on a family farm myself, we a part of our operation is row crops and traditional production, but another piece of it is direct marketing to consumers. So as a young child, you know, by the time I was able to make change, I was in a sales room selling fruit and vegetables to our community. And so making that connection between consumers and our family story, like I can definitely relate with that. And then also going to school and realizing that my elementary school that I went to didn't really have any farm kids in it. Um, so I think this need of this generation shift to help tell the story of agriculture is really, it's really needed. And it's really cool that you've been able to do that through your music parodies. So another question that I've thought about is, you know, how do you pick your songs? Like you get really creative with your song choices. So how do you come up with that? Well, not every song is parodyable. I mean, it's, it's not like we can truly, you know, take a song and make a parody of it. I mean, it kind of has to. I, I sometimes joke they write themselves because, um, you know, some, you'll try to come up with an idea and there'll be nothing for this song or this song, but then, oh, here, this song, here's an idea here, this kind of works. And so it's it's a variety of things. And sometimes we parody songs that we we really like that style of music. And sometimes we parody songs where, you know, well, we don't even like this song, but it's popular and it works. And so um, I think our, our number one goal is, will this parody be successful you know, is this a song that's worth taking time? Because it takes a lot of time to put these together. And so, you know, we're not going to waste a bunch of time on a song that's not popular or that, that, that's not going to be successful. You know, we've done a couple parodies where we really like the, the music behind it. Um, but then there's some that, you know, we're almost embarrassed of the song. Like, man, this song is, is, a, is a terrible song. <laughs> and then after we've sang it a few too many times, then we really don't like the beat behind it because then it gets stuck in your head and so. yeah i'm sure like having the right song makes the process a little bit more fun yeah it does it does and some some songs <clears throat> you know it's it, the 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 connection between the original and the parody 
it's almost every single line. And then some songs, you know, you've got a, maybe a line here, or a line there. Like I'm farming and I grow was an example where where we were able to to, to refer to those original uh, lyrics or um, just the concept of the song and the music video on almost every single line. So that made a very good parody. So speaking of lyrics, um, who writes the lyrics? Who's primarily the the creative mind behind that space? I do most of the lyric writing, um, and and you know people ask, well, how do you how do you write the lyrics? How long does it take? Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't really know. I do a lot of um, I guess create. I, I keep I have a notes app on my phone where I just jot down ideas, and a lot of those come while I'm working on the farm. Uh, if I've you know, gone through a spell where I haven't worked much on the farm, then, then, you know, you don't come up with as many ideas. A lot of creativity work just comes from, it's, it's not necessarily a quick process. You kind of have to, you spend a lot of time with nothing and then everything comes at once. You can't really force it either. Yeah. You can't just force a creative idea to pop in your head. It reminds me of writing a paper in school. Um, being in the ag communications and journalism major, you know, we had two papers due a week my senior year and, Sometimes you'd sit there for three, four days before the papers do, and you just got nothing, and then you'd just hammer out the whole paper uh, in one night. And so um, it's a little like that. But Nathan and Kendall, um, they'll help with with a few lines, or, or they'll pitch in an idea or, or provide feedback. So you pick a song, you start to write the lyrics, and you're in production. What does that process look like? So I'll uh, sit down and, and come up with the lyrics. That's usually the first step, and... Um, that can take anywhere from a couple days to a couple weeks to even like this highway to sell video. It took a couple months just because we were so busy working on the farm. And, uh, and then after that, we'll record the audio first and get that finished. And then when we go out to film, when we go out to film, we take a piece of paper with any ideas that we have jotted to the side of each line. And we'll, um, for the first few videos, we had tons of ideas because we could just walk anywhere on the farm and show what was going on and, and the different uh, equipment that we were using or crops that we were growing and it. It was really easy. And now we've kind of run out of some of our ideas. So we have to think a little harder when we're walking around the farm, uh, making things engaging, making them relate to the original song. And uh, then once it's filmed, um, probably the majority of the time from that point on is spent editing, sliding the clips together, making the lips line up correctly and and having transitions that are yeah. that are good in the video. And there's a lot of B-roll footage that we shoot yeah. throughout the year um, that is thrown into the parodies. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's a process for sure. I've noticed in the last two parodies that I feel like you've engaged with a bunch of other audiences. And I think that's really cool. In particular, my two nieces love to watch your parodies and they're um, three and seven and they love the new parody corn revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder when you were putting these videos together and you do do that collaboration, like what was your thoughts behind that? Like where, where did you come up with the idea to reach out to more people than just featuring you guys in your films? I think Kendall kind of talked about it a little bit. We, we, you know, we've done so many kind of cookie cutter parodies where it's just us and we, it's our farm and, and, People have seen it. I mean, that's not a new idea anymore. And so we started featuring other YouTubers, I think, way back in probably 2015, 2016. Uh, Farmer Derek and and um, their little, his name was Little Fred. He was from up around New York here. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were the first couple other YouTubers we parodied. And there really weren't very many 
other farmer YouTubers at that point. And now there's, there's quite a few. And then of course we've received um, submissions from fans or from kids. Uh, we, we've done that on several parodies. We did it on taking care of livestock and um, we will milk cows and, and, and corn revolution. And, and when you bring in other families, they bring a lot of excitement to the video and that's their, you know, five second spot or their two second spot. And so they can fit a lot of excitement in that one spot and then it helps them. They, they can share the video and say, I'm in this video. And so that corn revolution video especially had a lot of kids in it who were very excited to, to watch it and see themselves in the clip. I really even wrote wrote that song with featuring kids in mind, you know, in, okay. in the chorus. So that one was actually a creative process from the writing of the music too. So a little extra, little extra amount of work. I, I put a lot of work into Corner Revolution for sure. Well, I can reassure you that there are some really young agricultural families that I think are enjoying that video quite a bit. And I guess that just leads me to like ask you a question about you know, there are a lot of younger kids that I think do look up to you in this space. And did you ever think that, you know, when you started this whole video process, that that would happen as farmers and agriculturalists, you know, we're less than 2% of the population. And at the end of the day, we kind of all have that common ground of being connected to the land and growing up from generation to generation. So did you ever think like when you started this, like, oh, there's going to be little kids that are going to look up to me? Well, I, we didn't even feel that that old yet I don't think <laughs> and so I mean I was 15 when we made the first video and so we were going to FFA conventions and going to these things and I felt like I was the same age as, as a lot of people and I was you were. advocating to a bunch of ranchers who had been working for 50 years and they were experts in their field and I was like you know hadn't even been to college yet and so there was kind of that feel but then yeah looking towards the kids you can definitely see how they just eat up the videos and they want to watch it. And their parents even tell us, like, we can't get them to stop watching the videos. They watch it and they ask for it over and over. And so our mom always told us to be no, leaders for good. And so I think that part has kind of carried over into this part of our life where we, we want to set that good example. And it's definitely been a motivating factor for us, too. Um, we feel like we can get the younger generation excited about agriculture and taking over the reins and working on their own projects and working with the land and that, that legacy, like what you're talking about. And that is definitely driving force for us. And we think about it um, a lot more now than we probably did yet during that first video. Yeah. And, and it's something we take very seriously is, is uh, the being role models for kids. Um, it's something we, that was recognized with the very first video. I mean, mm -hmm. we were sent hundreds of videos of kids watching our, 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 what we were doing. And then of course, when we started doing speaking engagements and traveling, we would meet, I mean, we've met thousands of kids over the years mm -hmm. who, who just, you know, just look up to you and it's such a responsibility. And so, yeah, we don't take that for granted. And, and, um, and yeah, we were in FFA and 4-H growing up. I mean, we were in leadership organizations to where, um, you know, that's always been part of who we are. And so we've tried not to to change from that. Yeah. It's such a good reminder to realize, like for those of us that are growing up in the industry, that really every day we have an opportunity to lead and it's not only just within our industry, but it's also within our community. <laughs> so I'm just curious, what other types of advice would you have for farmers who want to help share the story of agriculture? Um, you said, you know, you're a little bit younger and just getting started in your career and your farming operations, but for those folks that have been around, you know, for a number of years or are brand new to agriculture, what advice would you have for them? What we've learned is just sometimes you 
you just want to farm and, and you don't feel like like sharing you don't feel like um i mean it takes it takes effort it takes work to to reach out to share what you're doing um so so we always encourage people just to take the initiative and it's something that you don't just do once you have to continue to take that step to it's almost it's almost a a work you know you mm-hmm. have to continue to do it um and it's important um but at the same time i mean don't be too hard on yourself um it's it's you know we talked a little bit about how every little bit counts you don't have to make a youtube video that reaches millions of people to make a difference even if you're just reaching out to a couple of people who are in your family or or uh, your friends or your community um that that helps yeah i would just say i don't take for granted the stuff that you you kind of just learned and you inherently knew whether that's growing up on the farm or growing up with an organization such as ffa or 4-h <clears throat> a lot of people they um they uh they can learn a lot from just like the simple things about like doing chores and and what it takes to take care of livestock and sharing the simple things that, that are regulars for our day whether you know there's doing chores and stuff they can learn like well this is what a farmer is doing and this is what it takes um to raise food and livestock and, and milk or whatever it is in your region and um then when they see that and they might have a question about that part of the industry they'll come to you and they'll ask because they've seen a clip of it or they've uh, heard that that's what you said something you've talked about in, the, in your group of friends and that's uh, that's a good way to get known as kind of a token person to be asked questions about yeah and ag it's it's important that we all continue to help tell the story of agriculture i think we have a responsibility to to help share what we've all grown up to know as our homes um and i think sometimes you know, you have to be deliberate in how you want to share that and also become that trusted community member. So whether that's in the digital space or just in your home environment, there's always an opportunity to connect with people. So I'm just curious, what what motivates you to keep coming up with creative ideas um, in terms of, you know, you've had Corn Revolution that's come out recently this fall and a new video here just recently, Highway to Sell. Um like what's that burning passion that that helps motivate you to say like I want to do another video. Yeah, I think there's been there's been times over the last 8 years where where we've done a video because it's been a while we need to do a video, but most of them are it's a it's a desire for me to to create. I mean, I've I've always been a creator. I mean, even before the the YouTube videos. And I think anyone who has a creative mind like that, you know, they can relate to that whether it's a musician or a an author or, um, I mean that there is kind of this burning sensation to create and to, to, you know, be able to look back at what you've created in the past and then think about what you want to create in the future. And, and, um, also, I mean, social media has changed a lot. Um, I mean, we weren't really making, um, any money when we first started for, you know, probably a year or two. And now, uh, YouTube and Facebook, you know, they, they pay, uh, at least something. Um, and so we've tried to create even more content than just the music videos. And, and so it has become even more of an actual job than just a, you know, volunteering your time. Um, so there, there's a little bit of both that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always lived life with the goal of trying to make a difference. And so that's, that's probably a, the number one thing for me. And I would say we can see the difference that we've made both in encouraging kids uh, to pursue ag and, and also in reaching people who knew nothing about ag and to see the impact of that with different videos uh, in the comment section and when meeting people, I would say that that's what pushes me 
And then also just knowing that for some reason, there are thousands of people out there that care that I'm out walking with my cows and I can pull my phone out and just show them what I'm doing. I think that's kind of, it's funny, but it's also motivating at the same time. Like, oh, I should show them what I'm doing today. And um, I, I like that part of things that even though I'm out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, there's people that care. They want to see how my cows are doing. So, Yeah, I that leads me to kind of talk a little bit about misconceptions in agriculture because we do have quite a few of them in our industry and it is encouraging for us to be able to have people like you who are sharing that very authentic real story of, hey, I'm out here in a field feeding my cows, caring for them. What helps you select those agricultural misconceptions that you choose to share with? Or is it just really kind of, you know, what you're feeling that day? Like, I I really want to share about this. Or is there ever any particular, like, strategy towards what you share in that space? Yeah, I don't know if there's strategy. Uh, We see a lot of our comments um, on our videos. And and you can tell, obviously, the comments from people outside of ag. And you you really start to pick up on on things that they hear. and, And they ask, well, are these things really true? And so that's, you know, our first uh, topic we really tackled, I thought, I thought was GMOs um, back in 2014, I think it was. That was our first blog. And, and it took a while to get to the point where I felt like I knew what I was talking about. Kendall talked about how we didn't feel like experts. And so, um, yeah, I think part of it is as we've learned how to answer some of these questions, you know, um, what talking from, to people smarter than us, talking to the experts, but then being able to convert that into video form, you know, just because someone's a scientist doesn't mean um, they're necessarily good at conveying that information to people. And honestly, we started with the blogs. I, my plan now is to actually transition those blogs into video content um, that's short and engaging because uh, as good as the, vlog, the blogs have been, uh, I, I do think that, that people are more apt to watch videos and that it, it, there's a different level of trust when you can um, see the person who's talking to you and, and actually visually see what's going on. And so um, I think that's that's a big part of what we need to do in the future and, and continue to do. And that's another motivation for advocacy. So before we sign off today, I have one final question for both of you. So Greg, I'll start with you. What do you advocate for in agriculture? That's a good question. Um, I advocate for um, probably, you know, probably for families. Uh, we've met so many thousands of families on the road as we, as we travel and speak and perform and the ag industry, you know, sure, there's a lot of large ag businesses, and, and we're thankful for those. Um, but at the core of the ag industry are the farm families who are working around uh, this country and around the world. And uh, that that is who um, I ad- advocate for. I guess the question was what? But um, um, basically, like, I know those families for meeting them. I know my family. I know my community. And for people to assume that we would be you know, purposefully doing something to harm the environment or our animals or the food supply. It just, it doesn't make sense. And um, I I truly feel as if if people knew, um, if people can connect with the actual people in agriculture, they would realize that they're being misled, they're mistaken. Um, We're not perfect, of course, but, but, but uh, it's, when you get to know the people, it's, and so that's, that's what I advocate for. I would say I advocate for a way of life in that uh, farmers, with what we're doing out there is we're taking land, we're taking animals, and we're improving upon them, uh, doing our the best job that we can uh, with our livestock and producing a set of calves or producing uh, milk or producing uh, the most yield that we can get out of an acre and treating that land well so that in five years it's yielding even more or in 20 years it's yielding for the next generation and doing as much as we can with what God's given us 
And I think that's that's the way of life that is worth protecting and worth advocating for. Greg and Kendall, thanks for joining us to share your personal experience and encouraging others to join you in telling the story of agriculture. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast with a friend. To get podcast notes and subscribe to email alerts at mafc.com forward slash podcast. Or to send any topic or guest suggestions to podcast at mafc.com.